prayer. We've all heard of it, but do we really know what it is? Is it just talking to God? Is there a right and wrong way to pray? Are all prayers the same? We'll touch on these questions and more in this series entitled Prayer. Let's jump in. We are continuing and perhaps concluding our lesson on the prayer series. Now, we have covered so much in this particular series, and I really don't want to do a whole lot of review because I want to kind of move forward this evening. Um, When we were together last, I'm going to have you turn to Matthew's Gospel, the sixth chapter, and we're going to look at verses 9 through 13, and we're going to go through this really quickly, but I want to at least give you the basis of where we left off so that we can just move right along. If you look at Matthew 6, how many people have it? Just say you have it. Okay, great. If we look at it in, I'm going to read it to you out of the King James Version, because that is the one, believe it or not, that most people are most accustomed to hearing. And it says, starting at verse 9, After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, just about everybody is familiar with this prayer. We've all heard it. We all admitted that the last time we were together. And I would like to welcome all of our visitors on Periscope. We would love for you to join us sometimes. In case you wonder where are we located, we're actually at 477th Avenue, the sixth floor. We're right here in Midtown Manhattan. We would love for you to come and be able to just Feast upon the word here in person. We're in our corporate office. We'd love for you to come by. But if not, we are blessed to have you with us any way, shape, or form. So with all of that, in looking at this, it has been called traditionally the Lord's Prayer. Everyone has said that's what it is. Now, it's not, (laughs) okay? They really just called it the Lord's Prayer simply because Jesus said in this manner, this is how you should pray. And they just said, okay, that's the Lord's Prayer. But we know that it's not because of the study that we did last week. We also know that there's some obvious reasons, and I'm just going to go over those really quickly because I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. The reason why we as believers cannot pray in that manner is because if you notice at the end of the prayer, it says amen. It does not say in Jesus' name. Now, when you get the opportunity, now I'm just going to have to do it. (laughs) John's Gospel, the 16th chapter. If you look at verses 23 and 24, I'll read it to you out of the easy to read because I really want to make it clear. It says, in that day you will not ask me about anything. And I assure you, my father will give you anything you ask him for in my name. And you have never asked for anything in this way before, but ask in my name and you will receive and you will have the fullest joy possible. Now, as we can see, Jesus is instructing them, okay, that they are to ask the Heavenly Father for what they want in his name. He states also that this is to occur after he has gone to the Father. They did not have to ask the ask for anything in his name when he was walking around with them. I mean, if you go to the if you go to any store, we're walking together in the store. And, you know, 
you want me to buy you something. You don't have to go and ask somebody else. I'm standing right there. You would just ask me. Well, it's the same thing with the disciples. They didn't have to go to the Heavenly Father. Jesus was there right there with them. But once he ascended and went with the Father, we are to ask in his name. And that is what all of this was all about, really. Um, if you jot this down, because I'm not going to read this, because we're just going to be going back over everything. Jot down Colossians, the first chapter, verses 12 and 13. Because when you do that, you will see, uh, I have to do it. New King James Version, I'll read it. Because if I don't, it's not fair. Colossians 1, starting with verse 12, says, Giving thanks to the Father, who has qualified us, meaning believers, to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us, where? From the power of darkness, and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love. So it's important for us to remember that after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we were delivered from the power of darkness. With that being said, we are already out of the grip of the enemy or the evil one. So when you look back at that, those verses in Matthew where it says, deliver us from evil, we've already been delivered from it. So that's even another reason why this is not a prayer that we as believers would say. Uh, it also states that we've been delivered already from the power of darkness. So if that's the case, and we've been transferred into the kingdom of God's beloved son, that prayer is just not for us. Now, this is the icing on the cake. Turn with me to 1 Peter 2.9. And many of you know this is one of my favorite verses of scripture. And I'm going to read this to you out of the message. 1 Peter 2. And the message is actually verses 9 and 10. And it says, But you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, Chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work and speak out for him, to tell others of the day, of the night and day difference he made for you, from nothing to something, from, from reject, rejected to accepted. And if you look at it in the New King James, which most of you have, it will say that his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I love the scripture because again, it confirms that we are what? Royalty in a kingdom that's not of this world. And I just, I really, really like that. So what has been termed as the Lord's Prayer was a model to be used before Jesus went to the cross. So the disciples technically could have prayed using that particular model because they were not born again, since Jesus still walked the earth with them. Also note that there's no scripture reference where this prayer was utilized ever by Jesus or his disciples. For believers, we pray that model, if we pray that model prayer now, if we would go ahead and do that, and it's important for us to know that because you will be put in settings where people do. You will go to sometimes weddings or even memorials, and they will sit up and they will ask everybody to go ahead and say that prayer. I don't because it does not pertain to me. Now, I don't make a big ruckus out of it. I'm just silent. So it's up for you to decide what you want to do. But the point is, <laughs> there's no reason why we should say that type of prayer. It would sort of, to me, if we did it, it would almost be like, I don't know about you, but when I was in kindergarten, I was five years old, they used to give us snack in school, and that was when they actually prayed over things. And they taught us this little recitation 
Thank you for the world so sweet. Thank you for the food we eat. Thank you for the birds that sing. Thank you, God, for everything. Now, if you knew how old I am now, the fact that I remembered that at five, okay? Because, yeah, I do. But that's, it really, what, what was that? It was like a recitation. It was just some little memorized piece that you said over and over. No different than, I know all of you have heard, God is good, God is great. You know, the same things they used to teach us. And there are children to this day who go to sleep every night. And people will say, did you say your prayers? And it's some kind of little recitation piece that they've given them. And we, this is why you're here, we're not going to do that. We're not about just saying a bunch of recitations. We are about the power of prayer. When we pray, we're not going to say some little Mickey Mouse you know, poem or something that we learn. So if you were to say the Lord's Prayer, the way the world says it, that's, I submit to you what you'd be doing. You're just saying another little recitation piece that they have deemed as the Lord's Prayer. Another thing that we should consider, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians. And we want to look at chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 and 17, and let me know when you're there. And I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified Bible Classic Edition. Now, as many of you already know who know me, and for those of you who are just learning me, the only reason I give you different translations is not because I just want to, but because I want to make sure you get thorough understanding of the scripture, because it means absolutely nothing for us to stand up here and just give you something and we're like, well, I was thinking about it. They teach you if you take the SATs or any kind of tests like that, when you come to a question and you don't know, they teach you to rationalize it, for you to kind of logically try to figure out what the answer is. You know, that's not, and we traditionally, many of us, I don't say everybody, but many of us as, as believers have done that. We come to a Bible scripture, we don't really know what it means, but we try to rationalize it and figure it out. I don't ever want that because in all of our getting, what are we supposed to do? Get understanding. And I have found, for me personally, which is why I share it with you, that if you go to different translations, some of the translations are super clear. So that's why I share different translations. So with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Bible Classic Edition, which is AMPC, if you have a smartphone. And it says, be happy in your faith and rejoice and be glad-hearted continually, always. Be unceasing in prayer, praying perseveringly. Now, I submit to you that this does not mean that we are supposed to pray on a nonstop basis whenever we are awake. And some people have taken that, like you're just supposed to walk around and just constantly pray. I mean, you can't do that. Let's just be, if you're eating, can you pray and eat at the same time? No. If you're brushing your teeth, can you brush your teeth? And pray? I mean, all things being equal, no, that's not what it means. Rather, it means as believers, we are to never give up praying or communicating with God, our Heavenly Father. That's what that means. We need to utilize all types of prayer coupled with our faith. This is key because you have heard the expression, prayer changes things. How many people have heard that? All right, think about it for a moment. Prayer is merely a tool or a vehicle, if you will, to start the change. Faith must be coupled with it because faith, the currency of the kingdom, is what causes the change. It is true that you can change your circumstances 
through prayer, coupled with your faith, because that's where your belief system is tied in, through your confessions of faith, which are your words, through your actions and by acting on the word as final authority in your life. Now, what I would like to do is share with you the genuine Lord's Prayer. And I really love this. It was prayed by Jesus, and it utilizes four different types of prayer in the body of this one prayer. It utilizes, number one, the petition prayer, also known as the prayer of faith. It utilizes the prayer of consecration and dedication. It utilizes the prayer of intercession and the prayer of binding and loosing. So turn with me to John's Gospel, the 17th chapter. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplify. And I want you to really, you can follow along, but I want you to really listen. Because what this particular prayer does is it really gives you a true glimpse of the heart of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So, starting with verse 1 in John 17. When Jesus had spoken these things, he raised his eyes to heaven in prayer and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that your son may glorify you. Just as you have given him power and authority over all mankind, now glorify him so that he may give eternal life to all whom you have given to him, to be his permanently and forever. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true supreme and sovereign God. And in the same matter, know Jesus as the Christ whom you have sent. I have glorified you down here on the earth by completing the work that you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory and majesty that I had with you before the world existed. I have manifested your name and revealed your very self, your real self, to the people whom you have given me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have kept and obeyed your word. Now. At last, they know with confident assurance that all you have given me is from you. It is really and truly yours. For the words which you gave me, I have given them. And they received and accepted them and truly understood with confident assurance that I came from you, from your presence. And they believed without any doubt that you sent me. I pray for them. I do not pray for the world, but for those you have given me because they belong to you. And all things that are mine are yours, and all things that are yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. I am no longer in the world, yet they will still, they are still in the world, and I'm coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, the name which you have given me, so that they may be one, just as we are. While I was with them, I was keeping them in your name, which you have given me. And I guarded them and protected them. And not one of them was lost except the son of destruction so that the scripture would be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And I say these things while I am still in the world so that they may experience my joy made full and complete and perfect within them, filling their hearts with my delight. I have given to them your word, the message you gave me, and the world has hated them 
because they are not of the world and do not belong to the world, just as I am not of the world and do not belong to it. I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but that you keep them and protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them in the truth. Set them apart for your purposes. Make them holy. Your word is truth, just as you commissioned and sent me into the world. I also have commissioned and sent them, believers, into the world. For their sake, I sanctify myself to do your will, so that they also may be sanctified, set apart, dedicated, made holy in your truth. I do not pray for these alone. It is not for their sake only that I make this request, but also for all those who will ever believe and trust in me through their message, that they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one in us, so that the world may believe without any doubt that you sent me. I have given to them the glory and honor which you have given me, that they may be one just as we are one, I and them and you and me, that they may be perfected and completed into one, so that the world may know without any doubt that you sent me and that you have loved them just as you loved me. Father, I desire that they also, whom you have given to me as your gift to me, may be with me where I am, so that they may see my glory, which you have given me, because you loved me before the foundation of the world. Oh, just and righteous Father, although the world has not known you and has never acknowledged you and the revelation of your mercy, yet I have always known you, and these believers know without any doubt that you sent me, and I have made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love with which you have loved me may be in them, overwhelming their heart, and I may be in them. Praise God. <laughs> I love that. I know. I mean, that to me truly shows you the heart of Jesus. If you ever have a day where you're not sure, what, just, just go read that. <laughs> you can read it out of any translation. I mean, I'm so proud because I read it and I did not cry. That is a big deal for me. Okay. Now, the subject of prayer, we could continue it for months. It's one of those subjects that can go on and on. So you have to get to a point where you kind of decide we're going to just kind of pause here because we could just go on. Now, throughout the series, we've given you an overview that I trust will prove helpful as you continue the study on your own. As you know, the word of God is forever pregnant. Therefore, any subject that we bring before you, it can be studied for hours, days, and years to come. That is exactly why we provide you with an overview or a foundation, if you will, to base your continued study. Having identified, explained, and given examples of the six types of prayer, there are still a few things that we need to think about. Most importantly, there are some things that we must remember because we always want to be strategic in our prayer lives. Number one, and this is where you might want to jot down some notes if you're a note taker. Number one, God has given us authority in prayer and he has equipped us to wage spiritual warfare. He has given us his armor. He did it so that we can win. Turn with me to Ephesians 6. And many of you already know this, 
but we're going to go over it anyway. Ephesians 6, and we're going to look at verses 10 through 18. I'm going to read this to you out of the Amplified. And it says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord, draw your strength from him, and be empowered through your union with him, and in the power of his boundless might. Put on the full armor of God, for his precepts are like the splendid armor of a heavily armed soldier, so that you may be able to successfully stand up against all the schemes and the strategies and the deceits of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly supernatural places. Therefore, put on the complete armor of God so that you will be able to successfully resist and stand your ground in the evil day of danger. And having done everything, that the crisis demands to stand firm in your place, fully prepared, immovable, victorious. So stand firm and hold your ground, having tightened the wide band of truth, personal integrity, moral courage around your waist, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and upright heart, and having strapped on your feet the gospel of peace in preparation to face the enemy with firm-footed stability and the readiness produced by the good news. Above all, lift up the protective shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, with all prayer and petition prayer, with specific requests at all times, on every occasion and in every season, in the spirit and with this in view, stay alert with all perseverance and petition, interceding in prayer for all God's people. Quickly turn to Genesis 1. Verses 26, 28, we already went over this, but I want you to see it again. And I'm going to read this out of the New King James Version, Genesis 1, verses 26, 28. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. That's the key I want you to remember. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion. Again, the word dominion, over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Now, we learned earlier that God always intended for mankind to have dominion. That was his intent. We discussed how Adam came along. <laughs> he committed high treason and turned his authority over to Satan. However, God loved us so much that he provided a solution. And we all know that solution, which can be found in John 3.16, which most of you already know by heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever, in traditional King James, which is my favorite, says whosoever, believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But I do want you to look at 2 Corinthians 5.21. And in the New King James Version, 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
Every person who identifies with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, accepting him as personal Lord and Savior, becomes a born-again child of God with all the rights and privileges. Let's look quickly at Romans 10, 9, and 10. And this is another one that everybody in here pretty much knows and has committed to memory. We'll look at it in the New King James Version, and it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, what happens? You will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. I also want you to look at Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 7. And it says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace we have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now, granted, we went through much more about this in this series. I'm simply, really, just trying to bring back some of the key points to your remembrance. It's another reason, to be very honest, why you need to get the CDs. You see this book? That's a lot of material we went through. I can't possibly stand up here in 45 minutes and try to give you all this. So you, if you really want to know, if you really are serious, it has nothing to do with me. Okay, you need to get the CDs for your own spiritual enrichment and edification because I, I, there's no way anybody can do that. Okay, so that's the reason why you need to do it. So based on the scripture that we just read, we now know that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the heavenly father and his enemies have been made his footstool. Now Jesus is the head and we as believers are what? We're his body. Now everybody has feet. Okay, feet are on the body. Therefore, he is expecting his enemies to be put under where? His feet. So authority over the enemy, who is the devil, has been given to whom? The body of Christ. That's us. The authority is backed up. This authority is backed up by the whole plan of redemption. Okay, so I mean, you can count on it. You don't have to be concerned. Now, the things that we have studied, all of it, you receive everything that we have studied by faith. Because, as I've said to you before, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Now, as you pray, use the weapons given to you. Put on the whole armor of God. Wear it in faith. Open your mouth and speak with the authority of the entire Godhead that is residing within you. Turn with me to James. And we're going to look at the fourth chapter, verses 7 and 8. James, the fourth chapter, verses 7 and 8. And now I'm going to introduce to some, and others of you, you know, you probably already know it, the expanded version of the Bible. <laughs> and the uh, acronym for that is EXB. And I'm going to read it to you out of that, because it really does expand it. Because if we look at it in the New King James Version, it says, Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Now, see, here's the thing that I didn't particularly like about that. Because we who are 
from the teaching ministry of the apostle. We are very word-oriented, every word. We are analyzing it, making sure it's okay. So when you read this and it says, cleanse your hands, you sinners, okay, and this is in James, so it is in the New Testament, but if I'm born again, why are you, I didn't like that. You know, it, it kind of concerned me. So I went on the search, okay, for what does it mean in the context here. So the expanded Bible explains it, and it starts this way. So give yourselves completely, submit to God. Stand against, resist the devil. Now that also, you can just jot this down in your notes, 1 Peter 5, 9, that also is another reference to how we are supposed to do just that. And the devil will run, flee from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you. You sinners, here's where it explains it. Clean sin out of your lives. Cleanse, purify your hands. A metaphor for cleaning up your behavior. That I like. Huh? Okay. All right, I've been requested to read this again. This is the expanded Bible. Okay, by the way, love this translation. Okay, starting with verse 7. So give yourselves completely, submit to God. Stand against, resist the devil, and the devil will run, flee from you. Come near to God, and God will come near to you. You sinners, clean sin out of your lives. Cleanse, purify your hands, a metaphor for cleaning up your behavior. That's what it's meant. That's what's meant. See, but if you just read the New King James, it just says, you sinners. That leaves you to go off. I mean, if you're like me, you think all kinds of things. But it doesn't explain that it's telling us we need to, we have to constantly work on cleaning up our behavior because we are still flesh and blood people and we are not perfect. Okay? So that's why this is such a good translation. Okay? You who are trying to follow God and the world at the same time, you double-minded ones, making your thinking pure, purify your hearts, a metaphor for cleaning up your interior life. So, I think you like that translation too? Okay. So we always have to know and always remember this. You have been given weapons, making you fully equipped along with authority to guarantee results when you pray. You can and should expect results every time that you pray. You should expect that. It shouldn't even be something that you think about or question. When you open your mouth, you should expect because you have learned and you know how to pray in line with the word, okay? Number two, forgiveness. It is important that you do not have any kind of unforgiveness or misgivings for anyone in your heart. It will create a hindrance to your prayer being answered. So sometimes that could be the challenge, okay? Because, you know, it doesn't have to be some big major thing, but it could just be a little thing that's just there, just a little speck, just a little thing, and that will cause a hindrance to your prayer. Let's look at Mark 11, 24 and 25. We all know Mark 11, 23, you know, we, we know that part. But we're going to look at 11, 24 and 25, and I'm going to read it to you out of that expanded Bible again. Because it says in the New King James Version, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. We all know that. We love that. And then verse 25, we don't usually quote, and it says, whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him 
that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. Well, the expanded Bible says, so I tell you to believe that you have received the things, everything you ask for in prayer, and God will give them to you. You will receive them. When you are praying, stand praying. And, and it doesn't mean stand like you physically have to stand. It means stand on the word, okay? Stand praying. When you are praying, stand praying. And if you are angry with having anything against someone, forgive him so that your Father in heaven will also forgive your sins, transgressions, trespasses. Okay? To expound upon this a little bit more, I submit to you that harmony is important in making the prayer system work as well. Harmony, you could say, is number three. Because that's something else we have to keep in mind. I know, we don't talk about this. That's why I like doing this. Let's look at 1 Peter 3, 7. I'll prove it to you. 1 Peter, the third chapter, the seventh verse. If you look at it in the New King James Version, it says, Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife, as to the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Now, the Amplified Classic Edition says it this way. In the same way you married men should live considerate, considerately with your wives, with an intelligent recognition of the marriage relation, honoring the woman as physically the weaker, but realizing that you are joint heirs of the grace, God's unmerited favor of life, in order that your prayers may not be hindered and cut off. Otherwise, you cannot pray effectively. I like that. It is clear that we need to operate in forgiveness, in harmony, and love. Again, you can spend hours studying these things as well, but we got to move on. Number four, rely on the Holy Spirit and make him paramount in your prayer life. Why? Because number one, he will guide and direct you. He will edify you and build up your spirit, man. He will pray through you with the infinite wisdom of God, not leaving you to your finite wisdom. Turn with me to Romans 8, and we're going to look at verse 26. And many of you already know this. Romans 8, verse 26. And it says, likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, when it says groanings which cannot be uttered, that's specifically talking about our prayer language, our heavenly language. When you are filled to overflowing with the gift of the Holy Spirit, evidenced by speaking with other tongues. That's what that means. But I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified Classic Edition because it expands on it a little bit more. And it says, so too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid and bears us up in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray, to offer, or how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings too deep for utterance. Again, that to me explains it a little bit more. Now, and we know this, but I want you to see it, turn to Jude 20. Jude is one. You're going to look at the 20th verse of Jude. The 20th verse of the New King James Version says, 
But you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. The classic, the, the Amplified Classic Edition says, but you, beloved, build yourselves up founded on your most holy faith. Make progress, rise like an edifice, higher and higher, praying in the Holy Spirit. Again, that translation to me makes it even clearer. Number five, never give up. Amen. Just never give up, Amen. okay? Turn with me to Genesis, the eighth chapter, the 22nd verse. This is a really simple verse, but it is really, really profound. And let me know when you're there, because I want you to see this. Genesis 8, 22. Okay. I'm going to read it to you out of the Amplified, but I have to tell you, it doesn't really matter what translation. It pretty much all says the same thing. And it says... When the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Here's what I want you to do, though, and you can mark this in your Bible. You see where they have seed time as one word? Yeah. I want you to separate it, make it two. Because what I want you to see, as I want it to say, while the earth remains, seed, comma, Time and harvest. I want it to be three separate words, and I'm going to explain why in a minute. While you're waiting for the answer to your prayer, remember the scripture all the time. Because sometimes, you know, we know the enemy comes at us with thoughts, ideas, and suggestions to make us think that the Lord didn't hear us, our prayer isn't getting answered, and, you know, on and on and on. We all know that story, okay? Remember this verse. Remember and especially if you do like I just asked you and separate it, that the verse reads seed, time, and harvest. It's important because, think about it, there is no immediate harvest. If you go and plant seeds, I don't care what kind of seeds they are, corn seeds, cabbage seeds, whatever seeds you want, you don't just plant them and turn around and do you have a cabbage patch? It doesn't work that way. There has to be some time involved. So I want you to realize when you are praying, that's your seed. There has to be some time before you get your harvest or your answer. So it's important that you call on to that. Okay, let that be an encouragement to you. It's important. It really, really is. Your faith in the word and the faithfulness of God helps the process because it is a process. Stand firm on the promise that you are believing God for. Stand unwavering on his word and do not dig up your seed. How do you dig up your seed? By talking words that don't line up with what you're believing for and don't line up with the word. If you are believing God for healing, don't sit up when the pain comes and start talking about the pain. That's not going to help you. You are digging up the seeds you planted. You, instead, when the pain comes, you say, Father, I thank you that I am the healed of you, the Lord. I thank you that by the stripes Jesus suffered on Calvary, I am healed. You say what the word says. The word is the truth. The word is what you believe God for. Speak the answer. Do not speak the challenge, okay? If you are sitting and you are believing that your bills are going to get paid and you do not have the money in your hand, don't ever, one of the things I have trained even my children, don't ever say, I can't afford it. I hate that phrase. Let me tell you something. 
Once I realized that God had the cattle on a thousand hills and the earth and the fullness thereof belong to him, don't you ever tell me I can't afford it. Okay, I may not have it in my hand right now. That's my answer. I may not have it in my hand right now, but I can't afford it because my father is the most high God. But you got to understand that. You have to adjust your thinking, adjust your words, and change your life. I promise you. I promise you. Okay, so you're going to stand firm on the promise that you believe in God for. And you're not going to be, you're not going to waver from it. You're going to be unwavering on his word because you know that you don't want to dig up your seed. Rather, keep it watered. Keep your seed watered with the word, with your positive confessions of faith. That is watering your seed and allow it to take its course. Let patience have her perfect work. And watch your harvest manifest. Your answer to prayer is your harvest, and it will come exactly when it's needed. How many times have you heard people say, it didn't come when I thought it was going to come, but it came right on time? Because again, God has what? Infinite wisdom. He knows exactly when you need the thing better than you do, okay? So you just never give up, never quit. Stand trusting him and know that he's going to answer you. You're going to get your harvest. Number six, praise God for the victory even before you have it in your hand, even before it manifests. You believe that you received it when you prayed. We learned that, okay? So praise and thank him for it. It's easy to do. And the thing that you got to understand is, number one, praise does what? It stills the avenger. It literally stops the enemy in his tracks when you are praising the Lord. So when things are, when you are in the midst of your darkest hour, you need to amp up your praise. Just praise him, okay? And if you can't, sometimes you can be so overwhelmed. Just pray in the spirit, okay? Just literally praise the Lord in the spirit. Sing in the spirit. Just allow your spirit to just come forth and just praise him. I'm telling you, it just stops the enemy. There's nothing that he can do. Praise him and focus on the victory opposed to talking and focusing on the challenge. You are growing through whatever the challenge may be. Know that it's temporal, subject to change. So praise God for your harvest. Now in concluding this series, I was led to do something. <laughs> I was actually led to complete it with prayer. So that's exactly what I'm gonna do. So what I want you to do now is I'm going to pray. And I want you to pay attention. Not saying that you were not going to pay attention to begin with, but I want you to really listen because I'm going to discuss this prayer with you when I'm finished. So it's to your advantage to listen to the prayer. Okay? Fair enough? Yes. All right. So I want you to, every head bow, every eye closed, and I want you to listen as we enter into the throne room. Praise God. All right. Abba Father, I come to you clothed in the righteousness of Jesus. I acknowledge that there is no one greater than you. You are high and lifted up as you sit upon your throne. The entire earth is filled with your glory. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for your unconditional love. I praise you not just for all that you have done and continue to do for me, but because you are 
the Most High God. I love you, Lord, and worship you with my whole heart. My sole desire is to bring honor and glory to you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our founders, Apostle Frederick Casey Price and Dr. Betty Price. I believe that they are healed from the top of their heads to the soles of their feet, in Jesus' name. I appreciate the fact that their youth is renewed like the eagles. I lift up Minister Scott and the entire First Family. I ask that you continue to give to them wisdom, discernment, courage, and strength regarding this ministry. Father, I lift up the United States of America. In obedience to your word, I pray for the current and future leadership of our country. I pray that they humble themselves, seek your face, and turn from their wicked ways. Then you will forgive them and heal our land. Dear Lord, Stan and I, and for those of you who do not know, Stan is my husband. Stan and I agree to make ourselves available, to be used by you, to meet the need of your people. We choose to work heartily unto you at your pleasure. We also agree to live our lives with purpose, being doers of your word, not simply hearers only. We agree to let our light shine, not hide it under a bushel, for all to see. In doing so, we believe that people will see a difference in us, that difference being Jesus, our Lord and Savior. We further agree to be a living witness of the power of your word in our lives and commit to share it with our children, grandchildren, and future generations. We agree to do this, bringing honor and glory to you, our Heavenly Father. Father, I ask that you continue to work with me. Making me a better daughter and servant to you. Also, a better wife to stand, mother to our children, grandmother to our grandchildren, and sister to my brothers and sisters in Christ. I give you my life to be used for your honor and glory. I ask that you give me more wisdom to be the best in all that I set my hand to. I desire to share your word in a way that encourages people to understand and nurture their relationship with you. I ask that you use me to minister to the need of your people throughout the world as you see fit. I ask that you cultivate me into a powerful teacher that shares your uncompromising word with people throughout the earth realm. I ask for this assignment only if it be your will for my life. I only want to do what is pleasing in your sight, for that is my sole desire. Heavenly Father, I pray for every member of Crenshaw Christian Center to New York. I thank you that you have brought us through 2016 and you are ushering us into 2017. I ask that each person reflect upon 
all the many blessings that you've given them throughout this past year. I ask that they be encouraged and filled with zeal for what lies ahead. I ask that every need that they have be met according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I thank you that they remember that you have plans for each of them, plans to give them hope and a good future. I thank you that as they wait on you, Lord, they will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not be weary. They will walk and not faint. Satan, I serve notice on you right now that you are null, you are void, and you are ineffective over every word that has been spoken here, over this ministry and every member. You and every one of your demons are bound in the name of Jesus. It is written that whatever is bound on earth, earth is bound in heaven, and whatever is loosed on earth is loosed in heaven. To that end, angels, I loose you to go forth as ministering spirits on our behalf to enforce the word of God that has been spoken tonight. Now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. In the matchless name of Jesus, amen. amen. Now, what did I just pray? In case you were wondering, or in case you didn't realize it, that prayer consisted of all six types of prayer. You can utilize the different types of prayer within the body of the same prayer, but you've got to consider the content. Now, the reason why I'm saying that is in this lesson, when I talked about and gave you the sample prayer or formula prayer when we were believing for the brand new leather Gucci bag, notice I did not say, if it be thy will, because that would have canceled out that prayer. But in this particular prayer, where I was asking the Lord to do what he can do with me, which is really something. But anyway, to, to make me a better teacher, to be able to go out and teach the world, if it is his will, that was fine to use it then because of the context of the prayer. The point being is, what I want you to do as a result of this series is to think about your prayers. We talked about this earlier. We are to fellowship with the Father 24-7, 365, without ever stopping. You can talk to him constantly. He wants that. He created you to do that. But when you pray, that's a tool. You need to sit down, take some time. Don't, I mean, I'm not saying you have to do that with every single prayer, okay? Because you can pray for everything. We pray for parking spaces. That doesn't mean I have to bring out my study guide, okay, to pray for a parking space. It's like, Father, you know where we're going. We need parking. Let there be a space. I thank you for it in Jesus' name, okay? I don't have to go through a big deal for that. But what I'm saying is some of the major things that are going on in your lives, when you sit down and pray, understand it is a powerful tool. It is a weapon. So sit down and prepare your prayer. Don't just, you know, just kind of like halfway put it out there. Because when you halfway put it out there, I'm going to put it to you this way. I don't know why this came to me, but 
Holy Spirit. I remember we have five children. They all went to college, okay? How many of you know college tuition is a very special thing? And at one point, we had three of them in college at the same time. Praise God, that's not now. But anyway, the thing is that one of my children, one of my sons, he went down to college and just, oh, he thought he was in love. And when he thought he was in love, all of a sudden his grades went from A's to D's, okay? And I'm like, love is not going to cost us that. So therefore, I said to him, this is what we're going to do. You are going to pay for your own tuition because you seem to think that we're just supposed to go pay for it and it just is, you know, nothing. And he couldn't believe it. Even Stan thought I was hard. See, see, y'all don't realize he's much nicer than I am. <laughs> he really is. He's the sweet one. I don't, uh-uh. So for me, I, that's exactly, I went right on to the bursar's office, okay? And I'm like, oh, next semester, <laughs> it's on him. I'm not going to continue to pay for this. Here's the point. It made him straighten up and fly right, okay? He graduated on Dean's List. He started getting the picture real quick because he was responsible for it and stopped pushing it off on us. Well, when you sit down to pray, I'm not saying that you can't get into agreement with people, but I'm going to call you on it, okay? I'm pushing the envelope. There are people who sometimes feel like they got to come to the elders to pray. they got to go to Pastor so-and-so and the sister one over here because her prayers get answered. Let me go have her pray. Uh-uh, uh-uh. You don't get a free pass. You sit down and you formulate your own prayer. It is your life. It is you that wants this. You don't have to have somebody else pray for you because I'm going to tell you something. When something hits you at 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, sister so-and-so might not be there. Elder Nay and Elder Mary aren't going to know your name. So you better know how to do it yourself. Okay? The apostle has taught us that. You are here in his teaching ministry. Praise God. Learn to use the tools for yourself. Learn to do it. You must want to know that's why you're here, okay? So please do it. Please learn it, okay? And, and realize there is no hard and fast rule except for all the things that we shared in here and all the things that we learned. And you can use more than one type of prayer in the body of your prayer. You just have to do it correctly with content. So I wanted you to see that, which is why I was led to come up with that prayer. Okay? So did any, I hope you benefited something from that. And I also trust that this series has encouraged you to appreciate your prayer life more and further study the subject for yourselves and further Look at your prayer life a little bit differently. And I promise you one thing. If you do, you will reap the benefit. Amen. You will see how much power is in your words. Now, the only thing that I did not do in that prayer that I would have done if I were praying this probably, not probably, definitely, if I were praying it at home is I would have also prayed in my heavenly language. The reason I chose not to do it is because we're on Periscope. And everybody on Periscope may not understand the heavenly language. And if you are exposed to it and you do not understand it, it can be a little bit of something that throws you off. And I am not going to ever help the enemy with anything to get people not to understand the word. So that's the only reason I didn't do it for that. But yes, you can definitely add your prayer language because as you know, and we already read tonight in Jude, that it, built, it, is, it builds you up on your most holy faith, but also the most important part is the enemy cannot understand it. And we've already learned that when you pray in other tongues, what you pray for now 
You are praying about your future, even though it's present tense you're praying now, you're praying about your future for something that has been ordained in the past by the Most High God. And it's just perfect prayer. You can't get in the way of it. So you need to definitely do that. So now that we've pretty much covered all of it, we have concluded this particular series. So now, once again, I'm going to ask you, every head bow, every eye our hope is that you received something that you could apply to your life and strengthen your faith. At Crenshaw Christian Center, New York, we believe that the Word of God is practical for everyday application. Feel free to stay in touch with us via social media, or you can give us a call at 212-749-9323. If you're in the New York area, you're welcome to join us at one of our services. Our Sunday morning service is at the New Yorker Hotel at 945 a.m. That's on 34th Street and 8th Avenue in New York City. Or join us for Bible study on Thursday evenings at our fellowship office, 470 7th Avenue on the 6th floor, right in Herald Square. Thanks again for listening. And remember, walk by faith, not by sight.